Shalom, saints. So we are happy to be in the service of the Lord. Amen. How many are thankful this morning? It was a wonderful song service. We thank God for all the song testimonies that came through. Amen. Uh, People were saying I look good. Uh, It is a gift to this suit you one family blessed me with this suit. Amen. Amen. So, so if I look dapper, it's because believers have blessed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And because when you are a husband, you dress the way your wife wants you to dress. Amen. Isn't it so? Amen. And when you are a husband, your wife dresses the way you want her to dress. When you are a pastor, you dress the way your church wants you to dress. Hallelujah. Isn't it so? Amen. So God bless you richly. So uh, I appreciate all the things some mentioned, some not mentioned, what the believers are doing for me and my family. Amen. I'm the man of that cloth, but I don't know that cloth. Amen. Now, we really appreciate everything. Let's turn to our Bibles. 
We had a great time on Wednesday. God, who's rich in mercy. Text now, Psalm 142, Psalm 142, verse 1 to 7. And we read it together. Says, I cried out unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, how many of you have ever experienced where your spirit overwhelms, is overwhelmed within you? That means when you are discouraged. Then thou knewest my path. When you are discouraged, it does not mean God doesn't have something good for you. In the way wherein I walked, have they privately laid a snare for me. Amen. Others are not reading. Just nudge your neighbor and say, let's read this verse. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. An updated version says there was no man to acknowledge me. That means you become a non-entity. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord unto thee. O Lord. I said thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry. For I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. For they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison. That I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. 
How many people say this is our prayer? Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this morning for the opportunity to come before you and sing songs of Zion and to be addressed by you. We know whenever you speak to us, because this gospel is good news. Dear God, I know when we leave this place, we will be better in a better position than when we came in. Those that are sick will be healed. Those that are lost will be found. Those that are weary will be rejuvenated because we have come to the right place. We want to commit the reading of the weight to you as mortals we can read and attempt to articulate the scriptures. But dear God, we need your divine intervention. We need you to come because our prophet has told us many a time that you are your own interpreter. And that is why, dear God, these people that are here, many of them have got various needs. Unless you come and attend to those needs, many of them can be shamed by the world. The world is looking at them and say, we want to see what the God that you claim to worship, what shall he do? But I know, God, there's never been a record from time beginning where you have ever failed even one believer. Every word that you ever spoken, it was kept, dear God. This morning, I am glad that I can announce that they are saving a faithful God, the God that will attend to their needs, the kind of God that will heal their diseases, the kind of God that will rescue them from their state of misery. And this morning, I've got full confidence that Satan stands no chance against the church of the living God. This service through which you will break some chains. Through this service, dear God, there are people that you will release from a particular bondage, dear God. But as you speak, may you reach everyone, dear God. We've heard on Wednesday how mercy is like a river that flows from the mountain top that reaches wider, that reaches deeper. This morning, may your mercy, dear God, reach deeper. May it reach wider, dear God, so that people can live and say, once again, mercy rewrote my life. That is our desire as we commit the reading of the way to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I bless you richly while you take your seats. Amen. Not forgetting that we've got a, a communion service. We'll commence with our quiet time at half past five and song service at six o'clock. And we'll be done in no time. We won't keep you longer. Amen. So this morning, I, I just want to speak on rejection as a blessing. Hallelujah. Rejection as a blessing. I know it sounds a bit like an oxymoron because how can a blessing or a rejection be a blessing? But a rejection can be a blessing. Amen. And actually, God uses rejection many a times as a blessing. For example, 
this morning had it not been of the rejection of the Jews when they rejected Christ we would not be standing here worshiping God hallelujah had the Egyptian system not rejected Moses Moses would have not let the exodus so rejection is sometimes God uses it to bring you back to your God-given purpose. Amen. Uh, how many have been rejected in the building? Amen. Uh, and uh, sometimes how you process rejection can say a lot because some people, once they are rejected, they would want to retaliate, but a believer does not retaliate. A believer goes to God and reports the matter and move on. Amen. And we are just going to read a scripture here before we get into other things. In the scripture, if we can get to Luke 4, verse 14. Luke 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region run about. Are we together? And he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found a place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister, and he sat down. And the eyes of all, all, of all them they were, that were there in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious ways which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? Because why? He was at a, the Bible says he went to the place where he was brought up. Now when they heard him saying these gracious words that were coming out of his mouth, they said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. He said, Verily I say unto you, 
No prophet is accepted in his country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months when great famine was throughout the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him unto the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. Are we together? Amen. This is Jesus. He has done miracles in and around where he was brought up. But now he came to bring the gospel to his own people, and they rejected him. How many are familiar with the saying that familiarity breeds contempt? People that you are familiar with, you often take them for granted. Are we together? He was not only rejected by the Jews. In Mark 3, 21, you don't need to read it, uh, to look for it. I'll read it here. The Bible says, when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said he is beside himself. That means when he started the ministry, the friends heard about what he was preaching. They tracked him down because they thought that he was beside himself. Now, in Mark 3, verse 30, uh, the family now, because they said he hath an unclean spirit, there came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. Meaning, they were, when they saw that he was rejected, they as well wanted to join in and say, maybe you'd rather stop what you are doing. John 7, verse 5, it says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing because a lot of time, when you try to preach something or to do something, people look at the people that are just within your immediate vicinity and they said, if you could not get them right, why do you think you will get us right? Are we together? And that is why now the saying comes that a prophet is without honor among his people. Are we together? But what we are getting here, remember Jesus Christ was God made flesh. But what we are getting here, they used his humanity to reject his deity. And they embraced his deity to deny his humanity. I don't know whether we're together here. They looked at him as a human and said, our God cannot become human. Therefore, we believe in the deity of our God, but you as a human, we reject you because our God cannot be a man. Are we together? And they embraced his deity 
to deny his humanity. Our God cannot be hungry. But the deity had become humanity, and humanity had become the deity. A gap that existed from the Garden of Eden was now closed by it, was now closed, but the humanity failed to see that and subjected him to rejection. Are we together? What killed Jesus on the cross, Brother Brenham says, it was not so much the nails, but he says it was because he came to his own and they rejected him. And that is why he developed a condition that was called hematidrosis. Hematidrosis is when you begin to sweat blood because of strain. Because he came to his own, they rejected him. Are we together? Now, let's come to here. Why do I want to speak about this? And especially my young people must listen to what the prophet says. Let me just read this quote. Brother Bram says in the message, faith is the substance. He says, see, God's messenger has always been rejected. A true messenger of God has always been rejected. A true church of God has always been rejected. Anything God does, the gospel has got a certain degree of rejectability. And if you judge things based on the number of people that accept it, you are going to be very much deceived because two-thirds of heaven followed a lie. Are we together? Always where you find a lie and deception, people are in majority. Are you still with me? He says, you know what I'm talking of, don't you? I hope you do, friends. God bless your hearts. I want you to see it. Then he comes, he says, in the message, the present stage, the present stage of my ministry. He says, I say this, when a man stands true to the weight, not just in one meeting, but in every meeting, when a man stands true to the weight, the time will come when they will leave him. And it does not refer to a person that is only in the ministry. Even you as an individual, as a young person that has got friends, when the time comes for you to stand for your convictions, then that is the time when friends begin to leave you. But you must never deem that rejection as a curse. It is a blessing. God is redirecting you to a greater purpose. Actually, as a matter of fact, it is not wrong to be rejected. And in life, if you can master the art of overcoming rejection, you will go far. A lot of people give up because they had the inability to handle rejection. And guess what? The reality of the matter, as long as we are here on earth, somewhat you've got to deal with rejection. Somebody will look at you and say you are not good enough. Are you going to coil in the corner and, and, and be dejected and be disappointed? No, you've got to bounce back and say that is that person's opinion, but I'm going forward. I'm simply saying there's no one that has ever achieved anything worthwhile upon the face of the earth, be it in faith, be it out, out of faith, 
There's never been any person that achieved anything worthwhile without facing a certain degree of rejectability. And actually, the people that have achieved much in life, they've always had a certain degree of unlikability. People looked at them and never liked them. People looked at them and rejected them. But because they were directed by a personal conviction that it can be done, they moved forward. And I'm simply saying the best way whenever you are rejected, you don't retaliate. You just prove them wrong. This message has been rejected, but we are not going to retaliate. We're going to prove them wrong. How are we going to prove wrong? We're going to make sure that this message will produce what it was intended to produce. And we'll look at the critics and say, here are the results. Are we together? Because when results are produced, last week I spoke to you about a Catholic man that said, I'm a Catholic, my son is a priest, uh, both of us we are Catholic, but he says, Billy, you spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ, I need an elk. I've been looking for it for 11 years. And Brother Brenham said, do you believe you'll get it? He said, oh yes, I believe I'll get it. But what, what happened today? Brother Brenham did not advance the theology. But he brought the results. That this man, when he looked at the result, he realized that this is indisputable. That God is alive. Why? Because I've got an elk that he provided. <laughs> Folks, there are times when you need to debate. But there are times where you need to shut your mouth and keep on going on a certain path. And that path will bring a certain outcome until the critics look at you and say, we were wrong. Rejection, the reason it is painful, it is not going to come from strangers. It is going to come from the people that are familiar with you. Jesus was not rejected by criminals. Jesus was rejected by church people. Jesus was rejected by religious people. But did he stop preaching the gospel? The Bible says he went further around the villages declaring the gospel. And today, we are the product of that gospel. And if our Messiah never gave up, you need not to give up. Despite the rejection that you may face, you need not to give up. And young people, I've got news for you. This world has got a little room for a person that becomes a crybaby. This world is harsh. This world is cruel. This world will take you in, suck you in, use you, and dump you. Are you here, people? Amen. When you are still fine, everybody wants to be your friend. They suck you in. You are a cool guy. They suck you in. They influence you. Once they have stripped you of your convictions, they dump you. But I'm saying to you, you need to appreciate that this world will reject you. And that rejection, it brings you closer to your maker. Are you here, people? Any time, whenever you are rejected, and for you to be accepted, you must compromise. And it is in the compromise where you go down. Brother Branham was rejected. They say, Brother Branham, just drop certain things. We will, you will never even worry about money anymore. Every organization will throw their weight behind you. But because he knew any true man of God, must face a certain degree of rejectability. He said, I will never do that. And I'm saying, today, we are the results 
of the rejection that he faced. Are you here, people? Now, Brother Bram says, in this very message, he says, I say this, when a man stands true to the weight, did I read this one? Yes. When I say this, when a man stands true to the weight, not just in one meeting, but in every meeting, folks, not standing in the weight because you are at a certain place, at every place. Amen. Not standing with the weight because you are at, with certain people, standing with the weight irrespective of who you are with. When a man stands true to the weight, the time will come when they will leave him. Exactly. They did. They did to our Lord. They will leave him when he stands for the truth. And he uttered to the weight, all men have forsaken me. But Brother Branham continues, he said, and now here is the thing. I want to kind of exercise for a few moments. Now, it's usually at such a time as this when men have stayed true to the weight and all men have forsaken him until God steps in in defense of that person. Did you hear that? God will never deal you in a crowd. Sometimes he allows the crowd to reject you. And when everybody steps out, then God steps in. Amen. Are we together? But God is not going to step in immediately. He wants to watch your reaction. Amen. And I'm saying this to you. Some of us, when we came into this message and accepted this message, it made our families be angry. Amen. Some of us, some people have got testimony. Some of them were put out of their houses, were rejected by their own families. Some of the parents, they said, we will never pay for your fees anymore. You decide whether you want education or you want this message. People were pushed to a corner where they had to make a decision whether they accept this message or reject it. And they were offered convenience. Are you here, people? Some were rejected by their partners. A man accepted the wife, say, not in a million years. If you accept it, don't ever come home. Some of them, it was the woman that accepted the message. The husband said, I will never provide anymore. But I'm glad that despite the rejection, I'm glad that despite the opposition, there are people that never compromise even one time. And I'm standing to here to say, I'm a witness of that. I hear people. How many have ever been rejected because of this message? Hallelujah. How many have ever been disowned because of this message? Hallelujah. Some of you that were born in the message, you don't know what you were talking about. That's why you can take this message for granted. But some of us, we know how we were chucked out. When the moment they discovered my own father, when he discovered that the message spoke wrong against Catholic, he disowned me. But it did change as a 14-year-old boy. It never changed the fact that this message was the truth. What happened today? I was not impressing my friend. Something got hold of me. And it got hold of me then and many years later it is still holding me. 
Once this message holds you, it will never let you go. What, what, no matter whether you face opposition, it will never let you go. Because you realize now you are a soldier. Now there is a territory that you have got to protect. I'm worried, folks, that we live during a time where people have got to be pat on the back. If somebody has got to convince you something about God, you have not yet been convinced about God. Once you are convinced about God, there is no principality, there is no power that will be against you that will change your mind. Paul says, what can separate us from the love of God? Can it be rejection? Can it be hunger? Can it, whatever it may be, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Are you here, people? You, some of you are sitting there, they have rejected you at work. Re- Let me tell you something. They will reject you. But prove them wrong. How do you prove them wrong? Bring the God that opened the Red Sea and make that God to be visible in your life. Are you with me? Brother Branham says, what a consolation when God steps in. He says in the message, perseverance. We know what this message was based on. A woman came who was a Greek woman. She came and she was looking for a help for her daughter who was sick. And she kept on screaming, shouting, and saying, have mercy on me. Dispensationally, he had nothing to do with the Gentiles. It was not their season. It was not their time. It was not their opportunity. But this woman was so disparate. Brother Brenham says, her church said, hold your peace. This is not for us. The priest says the days of miracles are over. The family said, you are just bothering that man. Your daughter is dying. There is no help. But she kept on saying, have mercy on me. And after she had overcome the initial obstacles, he came, she came within the reach of Jesus. And when she came there, she said, have mercy. And until the disciples say, this woman is calling you. He turned around and said, it is not good that I should take the children's food and give it to the dogs. After you, 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 you somewhat disobeyed your priest, disobeyed your friends, disobeyed your nationality, disobeyed your family, and you come to this man and he says, it is not good that I should take the children's food and give it to the dog. To be called a dog. Goodness, many of us right there would have shook our head and walked away and said, this is not for us. And we will even have quotations to prove that, listen, if this man was a man of God, he must have a compassion of some sort. But look at a, a woman whose faith was not shaken, whose conviction was not shaken. She said, even though I'm a dog, there are times when the masters are eating, the crumbs fall off the table, and I'm ready to eat the crumb. Jesus turned around and said, I have never seen such a faith in Israel. 
what happened? That woman was able to overcome rejectability and realize that this is for me. This is my time. Rejection can make you disparate. When you're not disparate, the moment they say no, you turn around and walk away. I was speaking to a young girl that we were fellowshipping. I said, you've got to realize in life, people have got different priorities. People have got different battles. There are people that go to school just to accompany their friends. There are people that go to school just to impress mommy, that I'm just out of sight of mommy for a day. Then I say, you've got to realize that some people, when they go to school, some have got no parents. Some is their only opportunity to be in that class. So when you are like that, your decision, you need to have a long-range vision. What is happening there, that means other people, what they consider to be fun, to you is not going to be fun. What the, if, a, if a girl comes from a poor, or a boy comes from a poor background, and, 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 and he moves into school, admitted into school, he will never engage in other activities that people engage in. Why? He's got no luxury to do that. This background, there is something different in the background. Are, are you here, people? I mean, if you've got no parents, why would you have a child when you are still a child? But somebody that has got parents that they babysit them, they can have a child. And the child can be mommy's child. But when you don't have parents, you've got no that luxury. I'm saying in life, your battles are designed differently. And it is in those difficult moments where you realize I am uniquely done, designed. And my path is unique. And if it is unique, you need a unique God to get where you are going. Are are we together, folks? Brother Brenham says in this message, perseverance. He says, if thou canst believe now to achieve anything, this is the prophet, you've got to set a goal and say, this I believe. And tie yourself to it and keep drawing, moving up closer to it, knowing that it's there. Knowing that there is something there that you are coming to. The only way to overcome rejection is when you know, you, you know what you are looking for. Folks, God uses rejection to move you out of your comfort zone. Hannah Sister Hannah, she was fine as long as she was allowed to treat Penina's children as her own. But the day Penina turned around and said, not my children, and began to mistreat her. I believe there were many a time when they went to the temple and Hannah was not troubled in any way. I believe that there were times where she just went to the service. But when there was beginning to be a rejection in her environment, That rejection drove her to become disparate. And God used Penina to mistreat Hannah. And that day she went to the temple. Folks, she did not care about her shoes. That morning she never cared about her dress. 
Yes, there are times where you need to dress mud. But there are times when desperation drives you to a point. You don't care whether the shirt matches the trousers. There are times when desperation drives you to certain levels where you don't care who's sitting next to you. Hallelujah. When we are not disparate, you can maintain a certain composure. But when you are disparate, my brother, tears stream down in church and people look at you. Some they wonder, but you don't care because why? Disparation has driven you to those heights. And brother, when you begin to be disparate, God begins to hear you. I believe she went to church and listened to the sermon. I don't know whether Eli really took the service very seriously that day. I don't know whether what, what amount of preparation was into his sermon. I don't know whether the musicians prepared adequately for the service. But Hannah that day, she did not care. There's something that she needed from the presence of God. And she was determined, I'm living here, and but I'm living with an answer. I need a clear answer from the almighty God. When the service was dismissed and people went out and immediately after the service, you know there are people after the service when they talk to you, it's like they just walked from the street. They were not in church. They've got, they've got no connection with what was spoken about. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Service is done immediately after the service. Hey, sister, how are you? Did you download that app? Immediately after the service. But Hannah was not interested in superficial discussion. Even when the service was dismissed, she remained there. Even when the service was declared to be over, she remained there. Tears began to stream down her cheek, but the priest did not see the woman was facing a certain rejection. Says my sister, are you drunk? Desperation can make you to be more spiritual than the preacher. Says, no, I'm not drunk. I'm here because there's rejection that I'm facing in my family. God has never blessed me with a son. And I'm here to, I need a son. And says, go that way. The Lord has heard your prayer. And many months down the line, Samuel was born. Not just a boy, but a prophet. Amen. When you overcome reject- rejection, God will give you what you more, more than what you thought you could have. Amen. Are you still with me? Amen. Brother Ram says, in this message, perseverance. It says, well, that's the way faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As long as you set your faith on it, then anchor to it. You are coming to it. No matter if you can't see it or not, you know it's there anyhow. You are tagging at it. It's pulling you. Any man that's ever done anything worthwhile has set a goal, then being persistent, persevering to make that, 
to make that. And he says, great men. That means no one has ever done anything worthwhile without setting a goal and without persevering and being persistent until it comes to pass. Brother Brenham says, that's how all great men and great women have been. This book, it's an awesome book, but it's a compilation of stories of men and women that were able to overcome rejection. This is the book of rejection. And if you're going to believe this book, you're going to face a rejection of some sort. But the rejection is not the end. It is the beginning. God uses rejection as a tool to redirect you towards your destiny. Are you here, people? You want me to bring another one? You look at Joseph. Joseph is there. He has got a dream. He shares the dream with the family that I saw in the dream that one day mom and dad and you, my brethren, shall bow down to me. And they said, not a million chance. Right there. Then Joseph was rejected by the brethren. As long as Joseph was not rejected, that means there was no way that he was going to go to Egypt and become a prime minister. But he had to be rejected out of the family. And when he was rejected and he was thrown into the dish, into the dish he was there in the pit. I can imagine what he was thinking when he was in that pit. I can imagine every now and then, Joseph must have said, this is not what I saw. This is not what I saw. What I saw, they will bow down to me. What I saw, it was not the pit. Are you here, people? And I'm saying, what did you see at the beginning of your journey? And what you're going through, is it what you saw? You've got a right to look at the devil in the eye and say, this is not what I see. Hallelujah. But you must remember, the path towards your destiny has got detours. And the detours are there to shape your character. Rejection is there to shape who you are. Hallelujah. It was thrown into the pit. And after he was thrown into the pit, then he was sold to the Ishmaelites. And after he was sold to the Ishmaelites, he was sold to the Egyptians. And he was right there in no time. He was there as some servant in Pontifa's house. Not from nowhere, he was accused. And he was thrown into the jail. And right there, you could have gone to him and said, Brother Joseph, a dreamer of dreams. What are you doing in prison? Because you said the people will bow down to you. Let me tell you something. People can look at where you are now and say, there is nothing coming out of this situation. Tell them, God has got a detour. But when all is said and done, his way shall be fulfilled. Are you here, people? And, and you've got to... Uh, uh, folks, I want to tell you, if you can come to a point in life where you resign yourself to a corner, where you expect people to have a pity party, people are busy. People have got no time for pity parties. The world has got no room for pity parties. The Bible says when David realized that everything was destroyed, David encouraged himself. 
And this morning I say, you must find it within you that when everything has collapsed, you must find it within you to encourage yourself. I'm telling you for what it is. No one is going to come to you and say, my brother, oh, we feel pity for you. You don't have a house. Here is a house. You don't have a car. Here is a car. Oh, you don't have a wife. Here is a wife. Nothing. As much as they were given for the, the land, but the God said, you will fight for every inch of the ground. And I'm saying there are blessings, but you've got to fight for every blessing. Nothing is going to fall on the land, folks. And I want my young people to hear me out. Nothing is going to fall on the land. Every morning, you're going to face a harsh way, but you need to come back and say, God, one more time. People, the devil is going to deal with you harshly. But before you surrender, after you have dealt with, you have, you have, he has dealt this blow to you, you need to say, Satan, one more scripture before I give up. One more quotation before I give up. One more sermon before I give up. One more convention before I give up. You will never give up. Are you still with me? People think if God comes to you and says you're going to be a king, they expect you to be on a lazy boy and be catapulted into becoming a king. David, God told him, you're going to be a king. You are the one that is anointed. But between where he was to where the realization was, there was a bear, there was a lion, there was Goliath, there was Ziklek. Until such time he was rejected, he looked over from the mountain, looked at Jerusalem, and felt like a rejected man, and said, only if I could wish, I wish I could drink water from Jerusalem. Right there, you could have asked him, and said, hey, Brother David, Tell us honestly. Just tell us honestly. Is this what you were expecting? You are running away from Saul. Saul has rejected. Remember, Saul is the very one that encouraged him. After the battle, after he overcome Goliath, he even gave him his own daughter. But right there, the very person that encouraged him is the very person that wanted to kill him. Yes. There are coming a time where the very people that encourage you are the very people that are going to want to kill you. Yes. But right there, are you going to throw your hands in the air and say, I'm done? No, sir. You keep on going forward. Yes. And I, I am simply saying, folks, with this message, we have accepted the greatest thing that has ever happened upon the face of the earth. This is the best that God has ever given in any generation. It was the message of Malachi 4. This is a force to be reckoned with. If this tool that God has given you, if you can harness it, you are, you are, you are destined for greater things. Are you here, young people? If you can take this message and believe it the way it's meant to, to be believed, you're going to go far. And I'm saying, all the people 
we are, we are becoming a laughing stock of the world. They say things that we believe in don't make sense. But I'm saying I'm glad because we are the oddball. Because if they made sense to them, we were not going to believe it. Because once it makes sense to you, you've got to change how you live. Hallelujah. The message cannot make sense and you remain the way you are. Once it makes sense, there's got to be a change. And if they say it does not make sense, we say no wonder you don't change. But here what we are going to do. We are not going to debate with them. We are, folks, we are, we are not going to go to them and say, the bridge, we want to prove that, yes, the bridge did fall, and this one, here's a job. We are not going to do that. You will never convince an unbeliever. An unbeliever is an unbeliever. That is nature. But what you need to do for an unbeliever, live a life to an unbeliever. Hello? Are you here, people? Any, this message, it must solve things that people deem that they cannot be solved. Amen. And after they solved it, then we can testify. Let me give an example. The world over, divorce rates are skyrocketing. Divorce rates are skyrocketing. Now, as they skyrocket, how do we prove to the world that we've got a genuine material? Zero divorce rate. The world, young people, and our young people hear me out, there is a, a Satan normally visits Whitbank in September, specifically on the 1st of September, and he goes to Whitbank Dam and Klepfontein Dam. Yes. When that, we don't want you to find you there if you are a believer. Can I get an amen on that? Clifton Dam and Whitbank Dam on the 1st of September is a territory for unbelievers. It is for demon-possessed people. Hallelujah. And if you are a daughter of God and you are a son of God, you avoid those places. Oh, can you allow me to preach now? Do you allow me to preach? Even you brothers that are in transport business. If I find you a taxi full of these girls shouting, we're going to excommunicate you. You need to be a believer. I know excuse. No, I made weed bank them. I just bring people. Can we say there the devil goes there? People of the devil are there. You are there transporting them. Oh, can I get an amen here? I've had a great, somebody was telling me, grade seven girls have prepared months in advance to go to Whitbank Dam. They've put money aside from their pocket money to buy alcohol. Grade seven. Now, here is my challenge to you young people. If we say this message is the truth, we cannot be found at that place. But guess what? We're going to be rejected by our friends. They're going to say, you're old-fashioned. They're going to say, you are backward. Tell that to the devil and say, this rejection is a blessing from God. 
Folks, if you are a believer, you are accepted by unbelievers, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And I've been in the message for some of you, you may not know why I know your challenges as young people. Uh, I was young and I went to school and as a young boy I had challenges of my own and one time I remember there was when I was still young we were going to school and when we got to the school somebody the bus would detour in town to drop people waking people and at that spot young people they found it was a time to escape and they would be dropped off there but the bus is on its way to the school so they never reached their destination they just disappeared in town now there was a time where I as well got tempted the bus detoured got there and I disembarked with other friends of mine and we're going another friend of mine just got very upset and said you where are you going <laughs> and I'm like oh wait a minute I'm going where you guys are going after five minutes, he says, but why are you coming with us? I said, what do you mean? He says, you need to be in school. You can't be with us here. They made me feel so unwelcome, so rejected. And that was the last time the bus dropped me there. Because I realized God used the rejection as a blessing to me. But many of us, would want to impress and go again and say, what can I do to be accepted? And then you get swallowed in. And then you, not long, you are gone. Amen. Friends, rejection is not a bad thing. It's a blessing. If God did not design that way for me, I don't believe that I would be in the message today. But God used the rejection to keep me in the message. Amen. Amen. And furthermore, the best thing that you can do is to respect your parents. I think for me, if you tell me what has kept me in the message, I never saw an angel. But what kept me, a basic thing of respecting my parents, kept me in the message. And I'll tell you how, maybe just a few minutes, how it happened. When, when I got into the message I was baptized, somewhat, I had this thought. I was 13 years old, but I had this thought. Because I'm a firstborn, I had this thought. If one day, if I could receive a call that your mom and dad passed away in a car accident, what's going to happen? I'm having this thought as a 13-year-old boy. 13-year-old boy. What's going to happen to my siblings? What's going to happen to the house? Now, in my mind, you know, you begin to plan this what I will do will pay off the house, some money will put it, it will be used for uh, 
for education. I will go to school, and once I've completed, I'll come back and help my siblings. These, these were thoughts that preoccupied my mind as a 13-year-old boy. While other people were struggling which cigarette should they smoke, which beer brand they should drink, me, I was battling with this, say, if a need should arise now that I become a parent, what am I going to do? A year later, my dad passed away. We received a call. I'm the one that received a call because my mother had gone to check on him. He had stroke, was admitted into the hospital. She had gone to check on, on him. And she was on her way back home. And when she was back home, then they did, we did not have cell phones. So the hospital rang the house, and they found me. And they asked whether my mom was around. I said, no, she's not around. They said, uh, can you pass the message to her? Her husband passed away. Now, I'm a 14-year-old boy. I'm receiving this news that he's gone. A flood of thoughts now are coming through my mind. What are we going to do? Will my mom be able to maintain the house? Will my mom be able to take us to school? What's next? And when you are a 14-year-old boy, your mom comes in and you've got to break news to her. It's not easy. Funeral came, we buried our father. But at my mind, I want young people to hear me. At my young age, I asked myself, I say, many a times I saw young people whose fathers died. And because they were raised by single parents, they wanted to prove that they are cool and they would leave home, go and drink with friends and disappear and cause a heartache for their mother. I said, that is not going to happen with me. I made a determination that as long as I stayed in her house, I will do what she said I must do. I may not agree, but I will do what she says I must do. The day when I am able to provide for myself, I will be able to do things on my own. Do you hear what? At school, look at what Satan does. At school, uh, I've always been a bit of a troublemaker. There's a teacher, I'm just sharing with you before I close. There's a teacher, a boy is crippled, is walking on crutches. The teacher pushes that boy. The boy staggers until he fell. And I witnessed that. And I got so upset as a young boy at school. And I said, this teacher, something needs to happen. And I asked, I said, this, we are here because we are in the care of teachers as parents. If a teacher could do that, then what else can they do? And God forgive me, I disrupted the school that day. Now, because, I mean, for that when you have done, you are cool now with everybody at school. It was at the time when they were going to elect a head boy and a head girl and prefects. And when the school students voted, guess who they voted for the head boy? It was me. 
No one came close to my voice. Now, the teachers have got a problem that this guy disrupted the school. If we give him to become a head boy, what else is he going to do? Then I was told by another teacher that they decided that rather than for me to be a head boy, they decided that I should be a prefect of social. (laughs) What does it mean? That means if there was a party at school, I planned for it. That means if there is a metric dance coming, I plan for it. Events could not go without me arranging them. Do you see where the devil is coming? Now, every Friday, once a month, every, once a Friday, there used to be a social evening where you arrange a DJ, arrange the sound system, and kids are coming in the evening to enjoy themselves. Guess what? The same Friday evening, it is the day that it was a midweek service at our church. Many a times, stay with me, there's somewhere I'm going. Many a times, I arranged a social gathering for the students without being there because I was in church. And Monday they would ask me, how do you arrange a social gathering and not come? You know why I could not come? I wanted to go as a little boy. But out of the respect and a commitment that I made, that as long as I stay under my mother's roof, I will go to church when it's time to go to church. Was it easy? There were times where I would hold my younger sister, who will be walking through a complex, and I'm carrying my Bible, and students are on their way to a social evening, and I'm carrying my Bible, and they are laughing at me. Are you still with me? Did I not have mind battles about being a message believer? I had mind battles. There were times when Satan convinced me that you believe this, but it's not you believing. It's because your mother believes, therefore you are a believer. And I I was uncertain and I said, maybe one day, young people, I know what you go through. There are times when you say, maybe if I leave the message and come and experiment and come back, I will understand amazing grace. I was once where you were, and I said, oh, goodness, maybe one time I need to leave and come back. And I, I was planning, I know, I know it's uncomfortable, because people in church, they want to pick, put a makeup. But there's a pastor, I only saw the angel of the Lord all the days. No. There were times where the same Satan that you fight, young person, I fought the same David. Then I planned that one day, maybe when I matriculate, uh, I graduate, I will go into the UK five years, and after five years, I'll come to South Africa. Then I will decide whether this is for me. While I'm battling with this thought, a friend of mine tells me that I need to accompany him. It was on uh, Friday. He says, accompany me. Uh, to my church. It was a Dutch Reformed church in Pretoria, Corner, Fermulen, and Paul Kruger. And, and Bosman. When I got there, I'm sitting down. They are all rehearsing. As they are rehearsing, some are going to do poetry because we are approaching the 16th of June, which was on Sunday. And right there, uh, 
they had decided that that service was going to be conducted by young people. Now, they rehearsed songs. Then somebody asked and said, but we've got songs. Who's going to be a preacher? I was already a boy preacher. I started preaching when I was 14. Now, my friend turns around and says, him, referring to me. I'm like, really? Say, you will preach. Fine. Sunday morning, I was wearing my jeans. I was wearing my jacket. I prepared a sermon on perseverance. I went and preached that message in a Dutch Reformed church. They had visitors from the UK, from the US. It was full to the capacity. I preached on that subject. After the sermon was done, there was a long queue of men and women that were coming. Some of them almost got me into trouble with the pastors of the church because another Indian family came there and said, we wish our pastors can learn from you, young man. <laughs> right there, reality struck that what I'm planning to leave, people have got an appetite for it. I say, if this message can make a Dutch Reformed church to behave like a Pentecostal church, there is power in this message. Uh, Then I say, therefore, I will not leave this message. Can I be rejected by my friends? Let me be rejected by my friends. But I will never leave the message. I will remain truthful to the message until I'm taken home. But for that, I had to endure a certain degree of rejectability. And I'm saying, you can never do anything worthwhile unless you've got the capacity to endure rejection. How many people were rejected at some point in time? Some young people normally sit with them. They look at the elderly men and women in the church. They think it has always been great for them. Some of them were raised without parents, rejected by relatives. But they did not resign themselves into the corner and become cry babies. They bounce back and say, by the grace of God, we need to prove our critics wrong. And I'm saying, if you have been rejected, are you going to give up? Are you going to resign yourself into the corner, throw your hands in the air, and say, I tried my best. It's time I check out of the system. No. Rejection must ignite the fire in you. To say one more time, I need to prove them wrong. There are people that wanted you to fail. There are people that wanted your family to fail. There are people that thought you will never go far. But just say, if God is with me, who can be against me? And you can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Folks, we are preaching this message. It's not, it's not just something that we just... I, I shared with you. You can ask my mother when she, she's here. 
I believe, me, I believe, since I believed this message, I can never be bewitched. I don't care. I don't care. You can bring, and I'm not talking about a small witch that is trying. I need an experienced one. I cannot be bewitched. I believe others can be bewitched, but not me. Not me. Before you clap hands, don't think that I've never been bewitched. As an eight-year-old boy, one morning, I woke up, I could not see. Totally, I could not see. Blind. For almost half a year, I could not see. No one knew what was the cause. No one knew it, it was unusual in the family. And several months later, as much as the one morning I could not see, one morning I woke up, I could see. Okay, obviously there will be a witch doctor that claimed a bit of glory. But I don't believe it was that. And I'm saying, if there was a witch that bewitched me, today, my spectacles, I use them because I was using a computer. I can, I can see. Not only naturally. I can see spiritually. And I'm saying, wherever that witch is, when they see me, they realize their power is limited. And I'm saying if it applies to me, it applies to you as well. You can never be bewitched when you believe the message of the hour. Witchcraft works like a frequency on a radio. You cannot listen to Metro while you are listening to KFM. You've got to switch on to the frequency to hear the things of the frequency. And we are on the message of the hour frequency. No witchcraft can penetrate that frequency. No demon can penetrate that frequency. And furthermore, nothing that our critics say will penetrate that frequency. Me, folks, I've got a, a very thick skin. I don't live for critics. I've got no time to listen to critics. I don't operate in the same frequency as critics. There is a path that I'm following. Whether somebody is happy about it or is not happy about it, it does not need me. This is between me and my God. My critics matters no more. I'm not yet to impress critics. I know others. As soon as they hear that so-and-so criticize you, you go there, bowing down, trying to say, is there a problem? For what? <laughs> For what? And the critic say, you know, I was very unhappy how you sang that song. I wish that you should have just not used English, maybe used Zulu. The next time when you stand here, you are shivering because a critic is watching you. I care nothing about a critic. Ah, I'm saying that, folks. Criticism sometimes is like water on my back. It's like water on the duck's back. It holds. 
doesn't hold. If I'm convinced that it must be done, it must be done. With popular opinion or without popular opinion? If I'm convinced that it's God that said it must be done, it must be done. If I get rejected, I was rejected as a little boy. I will not go into the details because I didn't get authorization from my family. But I was rejected as a boy. And I did not know why I was rejected. But later, oh, some of you, you think when we are wearing mics, we just dropped out of heaven to preach. (laughs) You can never be a pastor for a week unless you have been gone through an ordeal. Young people, they think that updating on Facebook and Twitter can make them instant pastors. There are some birth pains that you'll never tell anybody about. Uh, sometimes I laughed. I was laughing with the, the, your boy the other time. Uh, a lot of times uh, they, they, they think I'm a mortally see. Uh, another one was asking me, can you make fire? I said, ah. <laughs> I just laughed. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> fire. I went through fire. <laughs> that time... We were with Brother Mpanya now. We had gone to Nguavuma. And uh, in my heart, I said, maybe it's about time I open certain chapters in my life so that he gets to understand where, what I've been through and what, I, what I, was, I was subjected to. The other time, I, uh, in closing, folks, Sometimes you need to preach from your own experiences. The other time, I I was reading on the internet the news, and I discovered that the primary school that I'd gone to do, what is it called, grade one, sub-A, because they've upgraded them, okay. What then was sub-A, but now is grade one. The school that I, I went to attend, until grade one, two, three, four. What is standard two? Grade four. They confuse us. Grade four. And I was watch- looking that a certain political party, I think it was DA, had gone to there and they were exposing the corruption that there was supposed to be a road that should have been built from where I used to stay and to where the school was. I think it's a, it's a 30 kilometer, or I think it's a 20 kilometer, if between 30 and 20 kilometer distance through the bush. Then they said the money that they were supposed to have used to build the road, uh, officials have eaten the money. They have not used it to build the school. And uh, it just dawned on me that this road, I used to walk on it barefooted going to school. And I was shocked that many years later, it has not been fixed. Children still there, as I'm speaking right now, they still walk through the bush going to school. When I saw the article, I forwarded it to your, the board. No one responded. In my heart, I said, maybe they don't believe. 
Folks, you can never be a leader unless God takes you through some ordeals to build your character, to capacitate you. And young ones that desire the ministry, we can give you an opportunity. We can give you advices, but we can never give you birth pains. Birth pains, it must be a personal experience where you are rejected and you need to stand despite the rejection. Then God will say, you are worthwhile. God has never used anyone that has never endured and overcame rejection. Because if you don't do that, least he brings you into a position of responsibility. And as soon as you see rejection, then you compromise your convictions and your values and you compromise many lives. When you see us preaching like this, standing firm in what we believe, being unshaken whether people say something or not saying something, it comes from far. It has become our makeup. So in closing, no matter whether you are rejected, don't retreat. Get God on your side and move forward. Rejection is a detour. Rejection it is there and meant to bring you back to your purpose. It's a blessing. God bless you richly. Have you ever been rejected, Brothers Boo? Okay. It builds a character. As we stand to our feet and sing a song. We are back here at 5.30. If we are on time, we will be on time. Communion service will be done in no time. I intend that by 8 o'clock, either you should be home or you should be on your way home before 8 so that means we'll only be here from 6 to less than 2 hours are we together amen and communion is compulsory for every believer it's compulsory for every believer brother what brother Philip and brother Mpanyana approach them when you need a transport, after church, after the communion service, don't disappear. Find the deacons. They will arrange a transport, put you in a transport that takes you home so that you arrive home safely. Can we do that? Actually, let them know now that you're going to need a transport so that they can properly arrange that by the time the service is done, everything is in place. Are we together? God bless you richly. And then let's just sing a song and then we'll close. Jehovah is your name. Jehovah is your name.
The meeting, the deacons' meeting will start at quarter to five. Quarter to five will start our deacons' meeting. Amen. The witnesses in the building. Thank you, Lord.
eternal heavenly father we are in need of words to say we thank you lord we sat down we listened to your word speaking through thy servant heavenly father once more this morning deep down in our heart we can relate heavenly father but rejection is a blessing, Almighty God. And every individual was thinking, relating in his heart or a heart, Heavenly Father, that indeed is an Ebenezer, Heavenly Father. It's but through thy grace that we are here this morning. Heavenly Father, even one time we saw little David that was rejected by his own people, Heavenly Father. Even the prophet Samuel made a mistake, Lord, by overlooking at the young man, Heavenly Father. It's only through thy grace, through thy Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, that we can be able to see that was rejected by man is the one that has been elected by you, Heavenly Father. Yes. Mighty God, Heavenly Father, we say thank you once more. Bless our dear pastor, Heavenly Father. Mm. Give him strength, Heavenly Father. Reveal yourself more unto him, Heavenly Father, that he may take unto you up from you, Heavenly Father, and give unto us, Almighty God. Bless the church, Heavenly Father. Whatever that has been spoken, Heavenly Father, let us mediate it upon it, Heavenly Father. Let us not go to the right or to the left, Heavenly Father, but just meditate upon this way, Heavenly Father. My heart of heart, Heavenly Father, I pray for the young people, Lord. Yes. That over any Father, you protect him, Heavenly Father, against the devil, Lord. Mm. You will always bring a carrot, Heavenly Father. Mm. Something that will look delicious in their eyes. Mm. Something that will look good, Heavenly Father. Mm. But the end of it is death, Heavenly Father. Exactly. We protect him, Almighty God. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, that always, Heavenly Father, 
they will remember the way, they will remember this service, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray once more. We say while we're going to depart from this place, Lord, we are asking for thy traveling mercy, Lord, until we come and meet again in the, in the communion service, Lord. Yes. May you bless it, Heavenly Father. The hands that made, Heavenly Father, bless us once more, Heavenly Father. We pray and we commit everything into thy capable hands. And all this church shall agree by saying, Amen. 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 Bless you. Bless you Amen. God bless you richly. You can give us a song and then we are back. Just keep, if you keep time, I'll keep time. Then in no time, second service won't be long. Amen. God bless you richly till we see you in the second service. Even visitors are welcome to observe. Amen. You can observe what we do because it's only for those that have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it does not deny the fact that you can come and observe. And if we stop you from participating, if you have not been baptized, don't be offended. We are protecting you. Amen. God bless you. I never knew that you could stop until I read it from the prophet that you can do it. Amen. God bless you richly till we see you, but don't stay at home and say, I'm not coming. You come, but you can observe. Why are these people not taking communion as a breakfast or as a lunch, but they take it as the Lord's Supper? What scriptures do they have that support this? In the absence of the prophet, common sense is not that common. That's why people can say we're having Lord's Supper at 12 o'clock midday. Supper at midday. Amen. God bless you. See you at the second service. Sita te, 